0: So, ladies and gentlemen, it is currently, for me, 4.38pm, it is the 3rd of September, it is a lovely, gloomy day over here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and we are being joined today by brian of the breathing process so episode 29 of the anatomy podcast we have part three technically for the breathing process with under the skin of labyrinthian earlier last year with chris and like he kind of gave a little introduction but we didn't get too into it just because i was like i kind of want to save that for another podcast session if absolutely necessary but for, you, for those of you who are not aware, as far as the breathing process and its lineup, Brian is the chops. He's the drummer. He's the guy that provides absolutely the heartbeat for the songs. And I mean, he's a pretty solid guy. Had the opportunity to meet this gentleman earlier this year when they were doing the Labyrinthian Hymns Tour and they came through Knoxville. Well, what can I say? Um, Jordan, Chris, Sarah, Alex, Dan, and Brian here, they all made me feel like another member of the band, they were really welcoming, and then of course Warm Shepherd was just as welcoming, if not more, because of our contributions over at Sean Cross to Druid House as a Facebook community, which is steadily growing now, that's super cool to see, but like I said tonight, we are being joined by Brian, we're going to be telling the entirety of his story as a musician basically even promote things he has going on outside of music because you know it would be impossible these days to just be a musician some of them are barbers some of them are tattoo artists some of them are in real estate like adam easterling of orthodox now two or three episodes ago now which is crazy to think about and shout out to him because there's an awesome opportunity to host him but you guys get the point here on the Anatomy podcast we have the Sat, um, we have the formula that we usually utilize, in which the first half is for the people, the second half is more or less how did you get into the band, and like what does the band mean to you and all that fun stuff. So, how are you doing today, Brian?
1: I'm doing well, man. I uh, I'm actually kind of getting over a little bit of a of a chest cold or some kind of I got some kind of funk going on. I had a rough couple of nights, but today I feel a lot better, so that's good. good.
0: Yeah, that's that's nothing but awesome, because that means that, well, you won't be so incredibly miserable and bored while it's being here on the podcast, if ju- if anything, just a little bit. And that's completely OK. Um, Or at least I like to think so. <laughs> so right off the bat, basically, this is a this, like we like on the anatomy podcast to utilize it as a marketing engine, per se. To promote music, to promote albums and EPs, kind of push content even months after a bigger project, a bigger release has been unveiled. But we also on the podcast, like I said, we really like to think of it as a documentary podcast as well. So while we have you here um, tonight, Brian, basically give us a kind of summary introduction to who you are. And basically, we'll get into all the juicy details of your musical legacy a little bit afterwards.
1: sure so yeah as uh, as you said, my name's Brian. I'm from West Virginia, born and raised. Um, I've been into music since you know as long as I can remember that was always one of the things I wanted to do when I was younger was. Uh, start some sort of not if not even music just some sort of I wanted to be like an entertainer performer I guess and always leaned towards music and I'd say when I was about 11 or 12 uh, I started uh I started visiting my biological father a lot more and he was into uh he was into a lot of metal rock and stuff like that and he kind of played bass like with his friends just just as a hobbyist he was never really uh I think he played guitar back in high school and, and when he was younger. And uh, I just remember, um, I, I think it was kind of unprovoked. I just picked his bass up one day and started noodling around. And uh, I, I think he might've showed me a couple riffs or something like that. And that's actually what I started out on was playing bass. And then, so all the, all the other kids in my neighborhood got electric guitars. And my thoughts at the time were, you know nobody plays bass. I'll be you know the 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 desired bass player that everybody needs and literally the first day my friend, who was my neighbor up the, up the road he's his, his family still lives up the road for me actually um, the day that he got his guitar the the first moment I played it and heard that distortion and the heaviness, I was like, "Fuck bass, bass is stupid." <laughs> So I actually, I played guitar way before I ever started playing drums. I started playing drums out of necessity. Um, Well, actually, when I was maybe 16 or 17, I started playing with a guy that I went to school with. Uh, I think one day, like during school, we both noticed we had like Slayer t-shirts on. We're like, oh, shit, what's that, you know? Mm -hmm. And somehow we got linked up and... uh, the reason I even took an interest in drums at all was because he would jam here at my house and he would leave his drum set and I would kind of, after he would leave, I would kind of sneak and play him and definitely, you know, had no direction or really even any plans of becoming a, a drummer. It was just kind of something I always wanted to do. And, and I, I think when I was, even before that, I think my dad had like bought a really shitty drum set and me and my <laughs> friends would kind of, beat around on it but it was never anything that i i was definitely obsessed with guitar for those you know first few years of my musical adolescence or whatever but uh so when i was i think around 16 is when i started maybe 15 16 is when i started uh kind of realizing like well shit i can actually like keep a beat and you know i'm i'm starting to figure this out a little bit and uh I think when I was 16, I got my first drum set and it was a piece of shit. I got ripped <laughs> off big time. <laughs> oh, shit, sorry,
0: you're good
1: for a second, but uh, yeah, it was like uh, I don't even remember what it was. It was just like this piece of shit that was stacked up in the corner. It was like a <laughs> friend of mine's dad's, and uh, it was awesome for me, you know, at the time. And I used that for a while and uh. Again, I still wasn't really planning on like trying to be in any bands or anything. I always wanted to play guitar in a band and I still haven't done that actually. So when I was uh, 16, maybe going on 17 ish, somewhere around there, I don't know. Time means nothing, (laughs) especially after, (laughs) uh, you know, the whole quarantine thing. My concept of time and how many years it's been, you know, it's completely in shambles. But yeah, uh, absolutely. we'll, we'll We'll say 16 is when I joined my first band as a drummer. And that was because a friend of mine who actually I grew up playing guitar with started like a rock band kind of in hopes that it would be a little more uh, easy to commercialize versus the thrash metal we've been playing in our bedrooms for, you know. So I did that just kind of, uh, like I said, out of necessity. I didn't really want to be a drummer. I didn't want to play that kind of music but I could play drums. I had a drum set and they basically were like, listen, you're you're the drummer now, you know? Huh? And uh, <laughs> that's kind of how it went for a few years. And then I th- I think when I was like 17 or 18, I actually, I didn't own a drum set. I, I think I'd sold whatever beater drum set I was using. And uh, I, somebody reached out to me. There was like a local band that needed a drummer. And I actually went to high school with the guy that was drumming for them. So I was like, uh, you know, what's the what's the use of uh, checking it out if I don't have a drum set? But right. for some reason, I decided to uh, I decided to give one of the guys a call and they were so happy to even hear from a drummer in our area that they were like, no, it's fine, man. We got a drum set for you to use. So that was the first band I ever like played shows with. And it it was metal. It was kind of like more. Black Label Society, Ozzy Osbourne, which is yeah. awesome. but. But it wasn't really what I was looking for as a seventeen-year-old. You know, I wanted to. I want to go fast. You know, I wanted to. Yeah. Wanted endless double bass and all that. So, I don't know. I jumped around from band to band for a number of years, and uh, you know, I've been in some bands. Not not too many worth mentioning, but uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I bounced around for a while, and um, you know, played in a lot of bands that were kind of close to what i was wanting to do but i always always settled you know what i mean because i'm from west virginia the middle of nowhere and there's slim pickings when it comes to musicians bands um you know there's a lot of people that play but as far as people that are skilled and disciplined enough to get together on somewhat of a schedule and write music that it it was it was very very you know i had to sell i had to settle yeah i had to settle a lot and uh I played in some like metalcore cool bands with clean singing, like really kind of emo stuff that I hated. But <laughs> I was like, I, you know, I could still do some double bass here and there. You know, it's cool. But uh, you no, know, I had. I mean, you know, it was a lot of fun. It was definitely, uh, you know, those bands were like the the platform for, uh, you know, I guess what I'm doing now. They were like the foundation. So yeah, but uh, yeah, I didn't really do anything too notable for for a while until my adulthood i guess and uh i want to say this has been like probably seven or eight years ago maybe even more uh i funny enough the singer from morbid angel actually lives in west virginia like 40 minutes from me huh which was like was like a rumor i always heard before i met the guy and was like there's no way that guy lives in parkersburg you know there's why you know and then eventually a friend of mine that uh, works at the music store in Parkersburg put me in touch with him. And <laughs> honestly, when he first reached out to me, I was like, "What is this? this guy like, want me to help him find weed or something? Like, what does he want from me? <laughs> and he was looking for a drummer for his uh, his solo project, which is called Warfather. <laughs> so that was like the first, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, cool music opportunity that I got because I got to go meet Eric Rattan in Florida. Got to record at uh, Mana Studios on the Hate Eternal drum set, so I felt mm-hmm. about you know I felt about this big in that room around those guys. It felt like a like a seed.
0: <laughs> yeah, naturally. I mean, yeah. in, in the in the same room with the guy from Morbid Angel, um, like yeah, yeah. That that's that's actually pretty crazy. And by no means do I personally listen to Morbid Angel or even Slayer that much anymore. Slayer was really a gateway. Band alongside bands like Slipknot, Nine Inch Nails, and uh, Marilyn Manson, and then that immediately Absolutely. just like projected me into this whole new arena, this whole new stadium of various like what I call now, which is a uh, horror show music, which is just like kind of spooky Halloween gritty music. Slipknot, new like a lot of new metal, but like. Yeah it's it that's still such an awesome experience i'm sure and like looking back on it you're like holy shit i was in the same room with the guy and he was like i want you to be my drummer and you're like why (laughs) or something like that something along those lines and
1: again it's it's not necessarily that i was like the most skilled it's just uh like i said in west virginia there's very few yeah pick from so i think I, I think there was maybe like two guys around here that auditioned for that before I did. And right. uh, it was just one of the guys was actually a friend of mine who was a guitar player that kind of plays drums. So uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like a huge epic contest that I had to, you know, <laughs> yeah. or anything like that. It was just like, well, you're one of the three guys around here that's decent enough. <laughs> I think this will work, you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no. I mean,
1: we we meshed really well. Like the first time we jammed, like it was, it was a good. You know, we clicked. And I've I grew up on thrash, old school death metal. I mean, I've went through like every phase of music possible. Um, you know, especially in my earlier years before I even played music, I, I listened to just about everything. Yeah, but uh, middle school is when I kind of started getting into like Metallica, Slayer, and then it just kind of got harder and harder. Cannibal Corpse,
0: you know. And yeah. so on exactly in the
1: slash, double bass forever mm-hmm.
0: double bass <laughs> yeah. forever. I I'm, I'm completely yeah. with that. and it's it's funny because like just speaking on behalf of other drummers that I've had on the podcast and other people who are aware of that or for example, shout out to Dave Rocky of Sentinels New Jersey and his podcast, The Six Stroke podcast. like drummers are always the hardest thing to find. So especially in your situation when you were one among three, In the area, period. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Nonetheless, it was like, wow, this is actually pretty cool. It's a pretty cool start. So, whilst you're working alongside the singer of Morbid Angel with this prother, this project, other project called the Warfather, um, like, Mm. uh, let's go ahead and continue from there. Like, this is a very awesome story so far. Like, what, what was going on with Warfather, man?
1: So, uh, when I met Steve he had uh david vincent the which is like the original morbid angel vocalist who Mm. uh i think he had maybe left and came back a time or two or something like that maybe not maybe i'm getting that wrong but anyways uh when i met steve he had actually just rejoined morbid angel and that was before uh whatever the last record was it's escaping me right now but uh yeah so when when we started uh, writing or when I started learning and writing the drums for the Warfather stuff, he was also getting prepared to go back on tour or to, to write the record and go on tour with Mormon Angel. I think it was maybe like a year from that point is when they started really getting busy. Hmm. So it was never really like, a, I mean, we had planned on playing some shows and, and and doing some things and maybe making another record after that one. But uh it, you know it was never really going to be his main project you know or at least that's kind of how i i took it yeah and uh, you know so i i for me it was like okay i get to go to this badass studio meet all these awesome legends of death metal that i've grown up listening to so it was more just like a really fun experience and we did play one show in virginia beach in the middle of the winter it was freezing which was crazy mm. and uh Yeah, that was it. It was actually filmed too. It was like, it was a show that was put on by Black Star Guitars, I think. And it was, yeah, it was supposed to be filmed. And I've yet to ever see any videos of that show or (laughs) hear anything else about it. So somewhere floating in the ether, there are live videos of Warfather with me on drums uh, somewhere on some hard drive, maybe, or maybe they're gone by now. I don't know so Who knows? yeah that's really all we did was we did that show and then after the by the time the warfather album came out he was like head first you know back into morbid angel yeah and, uh, yeah so from there i just kind of bounced around with uh some local bands and then I don't, I don't know how it was probably three or four years later maybe something like that when i got hooked up with the breathing process and you know like i said i i did some things in between but uh This is actually a crazy story. So I was in a deathcore band. I don't even remember the name of the band or who was in the band. I vaguely remember (laughs) this, I vaguely remember this one show we played. It it was like an abandoned school. It was a really cool place to play a show. Honestly, it was like in the middle of nowhere. And uh, it was an abandoned school and we played in the cafeteria. There was like graffiti all over the walls and floor. It was, it was pretty cool. But, uh, I played that one show, and I think that was one of the only shows I played with whatever band I was in at the time. Okay. um, So, and this was before Warfather. This was like still in my, you know, early 20s or whatever. And uh, apparently Cody, the vocalist that was in the breathing process when I first joined, he was at that show in another band. And I guess he remembered me somehow. And that's how I actually ended up in the breathing process is... He found me through the singer, whoever the singer was of the, this is getting confusing. <laughs> he <laughs> found me through the singer of the band that I was in at the time and yes. like, found me on Facebook, sent me a message. He was like, hey man, I'm pretty sure you're this drummer that I saw, you know, randomly years ago. Like it was like six years ago or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then he sent me some videos and, uh, I actually learned, uh, I think like nine of their songs before I even came to my first rehearsal. And that's how I ended up in the breathing process. Was he saw me in some random abandoned school like six years ago? <laughs> was like, oh, that guy's pretty decent. Yeah, and I think at that point they had been kind of on a high. Not, I mean, they were still writing, but I, I don't think they had a drummer for it was like going on five years. They really they didn't have it. Yeah, something like that.
0: Wow, no, that's that's yeah. problematic. <laughs> but yeah,
1: but it's it's just kind of funny that he somehow remembered me and was like oh i remember that guy's name that was singing for that band and he like dug through yeah. Instagram,
0: Facebook, whatever and you know fine tooth combed through social yeah, media yeah. to find you my guy that's that's yeah. that's crazy to think about and that's the thing too is it used to be like that all the time and i know it used to be like that all the time just like how much more difficult it was to uh, get interlocked and get connected yeah. with all of your fellow musicians in the scene. And then, on sure. top of that, like when you're in a place that's a little bit more, uh, let's see, primitive, right? More yeah. challenging than, say, a desert being Arizona, you got the weather and everything too. Um, that can easily just cause a whole bunch of obstacles and complications. But thinking back on that, on that last show that you did with that deathcore band like just the imagery in my head thinking of where you guys played in an abandoned um school like that sounds like the coolest thing ever and a part of me
1: cool.
0: yeah a part of me kind of wishes sometimes that um for example if like get, and this is like a very very naive thing to say and i'm gonna disclaim that right now um but like just imagine how much cooler it would be if half the concerts you went to were in kind of very gently repurposed um abandoned properties, I guess, like how much more metal that would be. But, you yeah. know, also got to keep in mind, like, Hey, it's a, it's kind of private property. <laughs> like sure. you got to yeah. figure that out with the owner. And obviously they did that time, but that's kind of like the dream. That really is. The dream is to be able to p- play in a place like that. But with your, Entry into the breathing process, Cody, like, fine-tooth combed through the internet for you, um, found you, and, I mean, let's see, Sam Sam, Sara, that mm. was the last album with him on it, um, and that yeah. was back in 2018, right?
1: That sounds right, yeah. I think I joined 2017? in the end of 2017, maybe, is when I when I started talking oh, to shit. him, something like that. Maybe? I don't know, that could be, like I said, I have no concept of time anymore, so... <laughs> The time is, is irrelevant, irrelevant. <laughs> i feel like i've been in the band for maybe a little over five years so that would have been yeah, 2017-ish, yeah 2017 ish like 2017
0: right damn good year damn good year um and that was still Yo, when well, i was like in yeah. high school and shit which is crazy to think about like <laughs> those those were definitely different times um sure. and like th- now that i think about it just even thinking about and referencing the pop culture and stuff 2017 was like a couple years before infinity war came out and i remember just like how different things were and how like exciting things were i'm like oh my gosh what is my future gonna be and i think i look i look to now and i'm like well it's better than it could have been but we're off yeah, to we to a rough start we
1: had before the pandemic we really we really took everybody yeah. took life for granted you know
0: they really did and then like one one wrong serving of bat soup destroyed the world like not yeah. not to not to make fun of it or anything, but you know you yeah. gotta also make fun of it a little bit that way it's not too it's, serious.
1: It's like so bizarre and wild that you almost just have to laugh at how insane it really is. Like
0: yeah, it is. The, I get you. The numbers, Mason. The numbers. What do they mean? A uh, fucking death. <laughs> like, <laughs> but uh, exactly. no, that's, that's that's actually super cool. And thus far, I mean, of course, we're learning such an incredible story. And now, now people like an actual fucking interviewer. I write, I write down this shit. I take notes. That way we can recap, go back in time a little bit and just keep on bouncing back and forth until there's a little friction, a little heat. Um, So like kind of recapping, there's an audio cue. Um, Your, your, your dad got you into music and I'm, I'm sure from, from the impression I got, it's like beforehand, you weren't really hanging out with him or something. And then you're like, okay, let's give it a shot and then no uh
1: yeah like so my parents were really young when they had me and they were separated before i was born i think Mm. my dad was my dad was like 19 when i was born 18 19 and my Mm. mom would have been a couple years older than that and uh that's the thing about my mom i I still like she's one of those women that like perpetually lies about her age and i've tried to do the math so i i never really know how old my mom is like because she lied about her age for about five years. But anyways, I think she was maybe, she's like two or three years older than him. So they, they were young when they had me. And like I said, they were already separated. So there was a lot of, you know, tension, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were kids and uh, she was, I think, I don't know if she was married by the time I was born to my then stepdad, uh, but she was with him when I was very young. And for a number of years I kind of thought he was my dad, sort of. Like I knew about my dad, but it was, you know, I was young and I didn't know what the hell was going on. Right. But uh no, I didn't actually and it's this is weird because my dad's always lived in the same town as me. And we would like see each other all the time in passing, you know. And really? he was always yeah, he, he would always try to reach out, but uh, you know, without giving too much away of my family history, there was just uh, a lot yeah, of bitterness. Of a lot of bitterness, you know, and we missed out on a lot of years. So when I was a teenager, I was probably fourteen or fifteen when I started kind of uh I don't wanna say like I don't know, I kind of was more aware of the full situation going on and had less uh disdain or or less of a bad taste in my mouth for my dad you know, just yeah. bring how things actually went down and actually his and our, and our relationship flourished there for a while. Um, Because I kind of got to a point where I was like, man, I don't have to be angry or upset with my dad anymore. I can just like, he's just my dad now, you know? And it was, it was kind of a, it was a pretty liberating thing for me because I went so long thinking things were a certain way. And then, you know, as I got older, I started to see the pieces kind of fit together. And it's like, Shit, he's not a terrible person. But, uh, right. Yeah. So, when we first started hanging out a lot more, he, we, we made up for a lot of lost time. He got me into, uh, he actually got me into skateboarding for a little while. And I was already kind of into like, you know, stuff like that. Like, as kids do, you know, rollerblading, skateboarding, bicycles, absolutely whatnot. And, uh, he got me, uh, he got me my first really, really nice skateboard, like, took me to an actual skate shop. got me my first book because like before that i was you know skating around on like walmart skateboards i was like this is the best skateboard there is what are you talking about i got this at walmart and then he's like no 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 let's we're gonna (laughs) give you trucks wheels bearings Mm -hmm. like everything from the ground up and and that kind of took over for a while and somewhere in that those number of years is when i started getting into music and uh, as the years rolled on, it was kind of clear that that was what my main focus was. Right. So I kind of, you know, abandoned the skateboards, abandoned the, the BMX, all that, and uh, just hyper focused on learning metallic riffs alone yeah. in my garage.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, man. And yeah. like, just to let you know, by no means without um, was I like trying to pry or anything, but more or less just like recapping on questions and stuff. Yeah. So all yeah. apologies if there was any you know, discomfort. No,
1: no, no, it's it's all good. I'm pretty open about it. I just, uh, the, the, the fine like
0: details, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah.
1: work carefully so not to uh upset anyone, I guess, you know, absolutely, absolutely, like I'm any fingers or anything like that, you know,
0: right? I, absolutely,
1: I, I had a great upbringing. I have nothing to really complain about. i you know, I didn't have like a, I mean, I, you know, dealt with some turmoil as far as like parents not getting along, but I don't have yeah. anything to complain about. I was, I had a good upbringing you know
0: good Now that's always good that's always something to be um to be grateful for and just you know just enjoy about life because plenty of people yeah. they don't really have a good relationships with their parents so but like so like when it came to your you and your dad starting to hang out again a lot more um mm. he introduced you to playing bass guitar and um would you say he like really was the reason that you got into music in general or was it the so reason he, that you got into playing instruments and stuff?
1: So he never really tried to necessarily get me to play or push me towards that. He just kind of, as himself, you know, as a hobbyist, he would have his instruments laying around. And I was interested in music. Like I said, you know, from like an early age, I wanted to do something like that, um, whatever that was. You know, I had no idea what that might be at the time, but... um, yeah so I think I don't think he before I picked the bass up on my own, I don't think he actually tried getting me to play it. He might have you know in passing or something, but uh yeah, I don't really recall him ever uh you know trying to to get me to go down that path and I think it was yeah I think like I just started picking it up and messing around and sounding horrible for a while and
0: yeah everybody does. Uh,
1: I think it eventually got to the point where he kind of heard that I was. Taking the initiative to try and learn stuff, you know, to try and learn a little bit. So he showed me a he showed me a couple things that he knew, and uh, it just kind of spiraled from there. And you know, as I said earlier, I I got my first bass, and uh, that was when all my buddies were getting guitars. And my bass playing lasted for as long as you know until I heard that first distorted Ibanez through a shitty Line Six or whatever it was at the time. I was like, damn, bass is stupid. I want I want this. <laughs> I want distortion. I'm not
0: a, Brian says, I'm not about the twang, I'm about the chug. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, you know, I was I was a child, so I was just like, ugh. You know, like starting out, I just because you can never find ba like even today, like bass players are really hard to find, especially solid ones. So yeah, I in guess. my mind, like I'll be the bass player that everybody wants because there are none, you know. But then <laughs> it's like, no, I'm just gonna be another diamond dozen guitar player. Fuck it. <laughs>
0: so yeah continuing to kind of do a little overview and stuff before um I decide to pick your brain about something uh, a little bit more specific as far as uh, just music enthusiasm is concerned um yeah. so your your friends really got you into um you, you would say just by bouncing around in the almost the mindset of oh if I learn how to play then I can apply myself to these different things going on these different yeah. projects like exactly. bouncing around
1: I- You know, even if it was a band that I wasn't 100%, wasn't 100% the sound that I was going for, I felt like that was better keeping the the gears greased, you know, keeping active rather than just continuing to play by myself.
0: Exactly. And just applying yourself to the craft, because after all, to really create a career and a resume you got to start plucking things and like, just like, boom, boom. boom. Sure. I've been in all these different shitty, yeah, shitty products, but projects nonetheless, I've done the paperwork, yeah. you know, I've, I've filled out the application. Where's my more serious band? Like, come on, bring it, bring it. Yeah. So you were mentioning too, that when it came to getting into drums, mm-hmm. that was about like 16 or, you know what? Let's see. Okay, I'm going to so say you're...
1: 15 because, uh, 16 I think my 16th birthday I used that money to buy my first drum set yeah so to
0: buy your better drum that, set I was like
1: okay all these people want me to fill in for their bands or do this and that like I'll get a drum set right and I will officially be a drummer I guess you know
0: yeah before exactly. that I was just
1: like I'll do this if you want me to because yeah. I can yeah you
0: know? so, exactly and I didn't so really far any
1: passion for drums for for a while and even like playing in bands, like that first band that I was in that, that played a lot of shows, we played a ton. And uh, it was, uh, I don't think it was until we played a show with a band that was like a lot heavier than us that I've noticed for the first time I was like, holy shit, this is, this drummer is sick and he's better than me. And I don't like that. <laughs> so that Fuck that guy. <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't like like a, a negative thing. It was just like, no. I hate don't want to be the worst drummer at the show anymore. Like I want to, you know, and that's like what got me into the more extreme uh side of drumming. You
0: know, yeah, it was is your driving force to continue ascending as a drummer and as a musician. Yeah, yeah. Now Started
1: with uh, Slayer, you know, trying to learn like all those double bass parts, and then it was like that was even before I even knew what a blast beat was. Mm. And I don't, I don't even know when I saw. I mean, it was probably Cannibal Corpse. The bleeding is. uh it's probably the one that got me into the, you know, the fucking relentless pounding. Yeah. Of the snare.
0: No, seriously, and that's 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 always really cool. By chance, do you remember the name of the band, the the heavier death metal band that you were like, I must ascend. Like,
1: <laughs> no, I don't. Man. It was the, it was the local band that we played with in I want to say it was in Huntington, West Virginia, and dude it's been so i was literally like a teenager and yeah i don't it, like especially back then like bands didn't stick around for long they would come out play some shows for about a year Amazing. maybe do an album or a couple eps and then gone yeah, yeah with the wind. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, yeah, even, the wind the only way i would be able to find out who they were is if somehow i could dig up like a flyer or something from that show which i don't even know yeah heard.
0: Started. Which might be nigh impossible.
1: But yes yeah. absolutely.
0: absolutely shout out to any of those bands. Like if any of the members of those of those former projects happen to listen to this podcast when we push it out, like, dude, reach out to reach out to Brian, man. And like kind of like, dude, I would be more than happy to hear like that little part of the story, even in the comment section below this episode per se. Cause it's will it'll be on YouTube first, really. Um so, like, yeah, you you were playing and you were opening for this heavier death metal band, and that's really what drove you to continue ascending as a drummer and not in a oh fuck this guy. He's like, ah, yeah. oh, he's better than me. It's like, no, you're just like you were inspired. You were inspired yeah. to continue moving forward. And what I think is super cool thanks to a local, like another local project that was just happening at the time. And, you know, they might have been dust in the wind after that, but nonetheless, they were there. And it was almost like a phantom moment now looking yeah. back on it. Because you're like, whoa, where did they go? Just like right. levels. The layers of mystery going on there is super cool. And that's like perfect, I would say, for a narrative of any kind. But...
1: I think at the time, I've been playing drums for maybe, like, maybe two years or something like that. Yeah. So that guy was the first drummer that I was like, I need to talk to this guy and find out everything. Like I remember asking him how long he'd been playing and he was like, Oh dude, 11 years and some change, you know? So I was like, that's it. That's it. Yeah. I just need to sit here and grind it out. And, you know, yeah. And I've kind of like in the back of my mind, as the years have went on, I've thought about that. Like until I finally like, okay, I've been playing longer than 11 years now. Like,
0: <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> no that's 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 seriously a mile marker and even back yeah. then you're like maybe a quarter or halfway through you're like okay that's it i'm halfway there just kind of you gotta continue trucking man and eventually you'll just,
1: that guy really put it into perspective for me because at that point we've been playing with a lot of other local bands where i feel like a lot of the drummers were like in my situation it's like i'm not really a drummer but i'll Feel you know like the, it's it's like bare minimum type thing yeah so that was the first time i was like oh shit this is this guy's doing stuff that i've like heard on records that it's like i knew it existed but like seeing it in person and actually seeing like a local person that like makes you turn your head was like oh yeah shit, this is okay they're out there like this like, is real bing!
0: they're the yeah, yeah. important mile marker right there it's just the yeah, guy, yeah, guy wish, guiding like, in the plane as he's descending <laughs> yeah
1: I wish I knew the band because that would be cool to like somehow in a full circle type way, like reach out to that guy and be like, Hey man, you remember that little kid that was like, Hey man, how long you been playing drums?
0: Yeah, exactly. Just reaching out. And I mean, as far as I'm concerned, this is your opportunity to just reach out into the ether, the local music community of West Virginia and say, Hey man, I think I've made it and I wanted to thank you like that type of thing. And that's also what makes a podcast like this super cool is yeah. whether it's just Absolutely. high grade. Yeah. Like high grade professional, just like actually me f- traveling out to West Virginia in person to talk with you and the rest of the guys concerning this. It's like, at least with this, you have opportunities like this to kind of just reach out and be like, Hey, I've made it man. Or at least I feel like I've made it compared to you before. That's what it's all about, man. That's what it's all about. And it is it is a pleasure to kind of host that little moment right there, um, but yeah,
1: man, you're you're making me think about things I haven't thought about in a long time, and it's kind of it's cool to <laughs> remember some you of the, you know the early days.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly what it's about is just the history of every musician that I get on here. Period, and like, just pretend I'm David Attenborough. Just how long have you been a drummer? <laughs> like <laughs> you know. 11 years and counting, <laughs> like, that type of thing. It's fun. It's great. So what would you think was your, like, something that you carried in your transition from thrash metal in the bands, in the projects you were playing, when you converted, I would say, over to death metal? Like, what were some of the things you kind of plucked from thrash? Um, Not even just as a drummer, but as a musician.
1: Uh, I mean, as you know, thrash is, like, all about the ultimate speed. so. It definitely. Uh, I mean, I I played along to Slayer songs poorly for years, but it eventually tightened up, and it, it definitely uh, was a huge brick in the foundation of my playing for sure. Like Dave Lombardo, still to this day, I, I think I I steal uh, you know some of his style when I do fills and stuff like that, just the endless tom fills, you know. Yeah, of course he's got a lot more than I do, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I definitely keep a piece of all that with me. Uh, maybe not consciously but subconsciously for sure you know it's definitely in there it's instinct and it's
0: muscle memory, I can man.
1: I can notice it a lot more like if I'm recording something and I sit back and it's like oh that kind of sounds like I wasn't really going for that but I can kind of hear the influence you know whatever
0: exactly and that's really what's cool about writing music in general man that's just all part of the experience and just plucking the the musical inspirations from all of the bands prior that you inspired to you're bringing it full circle you're kind of like throwing all the ingredients in the pot and stirring like a witch just and there you go like that's (laughs) that's your drumming style man and that's that's what's really cool about like actually being a musician and an instrumentalist but also just an artist in general just learning the craft and harnessing it so with your last kind of stage that you were mentioning before um, we ended up doing full circle and just infinity going on right now. Um, So you joined, you joined a metal band, you had a better set, you played in the, you played in the abandoned school and everything like that. And then Mm. Cody ended up reaching out to you and you ended up jumping in to, yeah, years later um, into the breathing process. Mm. And I guess, do you like kind of still stay in touch with the the West Virginia music scene? Like, do you see all the little hidden diamonds in the rough? And you're like, yeah, they're doing some cool shit. They're do they're doing what we're doing. You're like talking with Jordan and Dan and everybody. You're like, you know what? These guys, this this is what we were doing at the beginning, bro. This is what we were doing with Sam, Sarah, and all of our all of our previous shit. And, you know, this is what led us to our moment, and now they're on their way up too. Like, have you had that kind of moment yet?
1: Um. Honestly, there's, sadly, there's not a whole lot of heavy music. There, there's, a, there's a lot of underground heavy music that's, like, that I'm kind of discovering here and there. And oddly enough, there's a lot of heavy bands in Beckley, which is a couple hours for me, but it's, like, middle of nowhere, like, lots, you know, bad drug problem, things like that. But there's, oh. like, this whole, there's these, like, little pools of these scenes that, you know, they're, thriving in their little areas and it's like you know 20 miles this way like nobody knows that it's going on you know what i mean yeah yeah uh, i play i I play for another band a, a local band uh and we played a show in beckley it was a house show in a basement and the it was insane like there was like the amount of people and the energy and it was it really blew me away being in such a nowhere you know, drug infested area like that, there's like all this life and it was really cool. But uh, in Morgantown, there seems to be like more of a metal scene. There's actually a band, I think they're called Scare Tape that I've been getting into that uh, they're, they're younger guys and they're, uh, we're actually trying to book them on a show uh, in Ravenswood, I believe. But uh, is such
0: a cool name. Is that a town or like? Is that a county? Like, what? What is Ravenswood? That sounds That's so cool. cool. Yeah. Damn, dude. I I wish I lived in a city called Ravenswood. That's so freaking cool. Um,
1: yeah, it, <laughs> it sounds cooler than the name's cooler than the towns.
0: <laughs> mmm. Is it? Yeah, definitely. It definitely sounds older. Like. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I I also am all about like kind of uh uh vintage towns as long as they're not actually in the background infested by uh like occultic theatic, satanists that are like okay and you know or maybe like an amish community or some shit and they're actually you know demonic cold or whatever you know i i've been watching way too many horror movies recently
1: um but- <laughs> so we've got some cool historical buildings and uh supposedly george washington had some land and some houses here there's like a washington street and uh i've i've heard like millions of stories of you know Uh, where the names came from, and you have half of Ravenswood that says, like, oh, Washington never stepped foot here, that's all BS, and then you have everyone that's like, no, he lived here, you know, so it's just kind of a fun local folklore thing, I guess. I don't think – I think I actually looked it up at one point, and I I didn't find any evidence that he ever stepped foot here, but, uh, you know, it's just one of those, like, local legends that people continue to believe and perpetuate. (laughs)
0: no that's always fun to have uh to have lore though in a town like that and as long as they don't actually go to civil war like washington was here no he wasn't and you're like ah and they're all in the town square and shit going at it like as long as it doesn't get to that point it's just a fun little tale it's a fun little piece of american history yeah but with that being said we've covered quite a bit of your story uh so far which is super cool and i do
1: I'm sporadic with my my storytelling it's yeah. hard to it's hard to hone in on one area you know when i start telling yeah. one story it reminds me of other things and you know get a little absolutely
0: scattered. no you're good man you're good nonetheless it is a story i mean after all sometimes in books you have so many different time jumps happening or you have yeah. perspective changes the same thing <laughs> yeah there you go exactly but with that in mind i would want to ask and i would want to Briefly pluck off of you five albums that you would contribute to what you do for the breathing process, or just what you love as a musician. Only five. See, I always
1: get asked like who my favorite drummer is, or this and that, and it's it's really it's hard for me to to narrow it down. I mean, as far as like, I mean, a, a name that pops up immediately is Shannon Lucas, Black Dahlia Murder. Um, that was the first band that I ever listened to. See, when I first discovered the Black Dahlia murder, um, I was convinced that they had two singers because at the time all the death metal or like heavy, you know, growling, whatever that I'd heard was kind of like one tone, you know, like even, even like, uh, Chris Barnes, you know, like in his, when he was good or better, yeah. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna diss him too hard, but, uh, you know, the last <laughs> <six> few <feet laughs> questionable but uh but yeah uh before i listened to black dahlia i kind of listened to stuff like cannibal corpse obituary it was all kind of like just the low mid-range kind of vocal so when i heard black dahlia for the first time i did not believe that it was one person i was like there's no fucking way he's doing those lows and those highs there's no way that's got to be two dudes and that was definitely the band that like made me notice like oh shit there's like a whole other world like there's a whole other world of crazy talent and skill and insanity because you know to be honest a lot of especially like the old school death metal is awesome and and as important as it is you know listening to it with like today's standards of sound and and whatnot it's kind of a lot of it's sloppy and recordings are rough you know which, I, I love that, personally. You know, it's... Yeah, it's, it's more organic. It's, it's a bit aesthetic for certain things, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, Black Delia was one of the first, like, heavy, heavy bands, that I was like, holy shit, these guys are crazy tight and precise, and, like, this is insane. So, yeah, Shannon Lucas, 100%, is definitely, as far as, like, fast double bass, blast beats go, he's, like, in the top three uh, as far as my influences. Right. And, uh, oddly enough... I, I really, because uh, like I said you know, earlier, I was sort of into like skateboarding and stuff like that, which kind of segued into when uh, like Jackass and like stuff like that was getting popular. So like we were always, <laughs> me and my friends were always <laughs> like doing stupid stunts and the music kind of went hand in hand because like Jackass, TKY, they always had like really cool like punk rock metal stuff going. And, Absolutely. Uh, I discovered the band CKY, and to this day, Jess Margera is still one of my favorite drummers, who's like a non-metal drummer. I just yeah. really like his tasteful style. So, I don't know, man. You just got to catch me. You, you never know what kind of mood you're going to catch me in, as far as like what, uh, what I'm uh, harvesting my influence from, because I, I go through these phases and whatnot. But right, definitely, like in my early stages of metal, uh, it would be, um, you know, like I said, Shannon. Braun Daler from Mastodon was a big one. I was r- big into Mastodon. Still one of my top three favorite bands of all time. New album's incredible. Jess um, Morjero is a good one. I mean, you know, as the years have went on, I've gotten, you know, like, I, 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 of course, I've watched, like, Buddy Rich and, you know, all the, the OGs and the classics. But, uh, man, it's going to be really hard for me to narrow down albums. So, The Bleeding by Cannibal Corpse. Hundred percent goes in that top five because you know that was that was my first introduction to like death metal, heavy, heavy, relentless pounding. Kill your sister, rape your dog, <laughs> whatever you know, <laughs> uh, shit. And uh, it, it, like, it, I'll be honest, at first it was kind of almost like too much for me. It was like because I was listening to like Metallica and Slayer, and then it's just like, <laughs> like <laughs> back it up, back it up, once. But, but. Uh, <laughs> And I think the reason that I loved it so much was because everybody else that I showed it to fucking hated it. They all thought it was trash. Nobody got it. And I was like, you guys are crazy. Just listen to this. God, like, how not not
0: make you guys are nuts. This is fire. <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah.
1: So, <laughs> The Bleeding by Cannibal Corpse definitely in my top five most influent- influential drumming albums, I guess. Um, if we want to go a little, little further past that, I would say Nocturnal by... Uh, Black Dahlia Murder is a good one. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: When I was in high school, I got super-duper obsessed with a band called Atheists. And their drummer is like a fucking drum major at Berkeley or something. So, like, their shit was just insane. They they were one of the first, uh, I guess, tech death metal bands that I got into. Early, Mm -hmm. early tech death. Before that term was really meant what it means today, I guess. Um, Right. But it was, like, jazz and, like, the bass player was insane. Like, it was... So I would say Atheist, Unquestionable Presence, which I think is their second album. Huge, huge influence on my early, early days of drumming because it it was... Honestly, like, that album probably made me the most annoying fucking drummer to anybody that was jamming with me at the time (laughs) because if you listen to that album, the drums are, like, nonstop, like, his accents and fills. He's, like, a very jazzy, tasteful, like, just balls-to-the-wall insane filling as much spaces i can't you know yeah uh so i tried to do that as a as a beginner you know i was trying to like harvest that style and everybody that jam was like dude you're just doing too much like you gotta stop <laughs> you gotta you gotta slow it down i'm anything. not doing too
0: much you're doing too little <laughs> like...
1: No, Like i mean that was just you know my my adolescent brain telling me like fast fill fill all the space leave all no are... space just
0: fucking more
1: at all times <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah just fucking kylo so, rizzo i got two yeah, left okay.
1: yes sir uh, man um all right i'm gonna try to get away from the death metal because i mean <laughs> the i don't think i listed list it off okay so man two more albums
0: if anything uh, do do like one more album that you absolutely love and the last one your number one that could be like a guilty pleasure music like record or something because i i got i got into that because of a a previous guitarist i don't know if you're familiar with the band party cannon shout out to uh mike once again yeah um he we i had him on the podcast him and uh him and chris yeah mike and chris and he was like what's what's your guilty pleasure music and i was like uh i have a playlist of anime openings i guess but like in reality i didn't realize that the reason i was there that night is because party canon and it's just ruthless caveman iq slam with like absolutely nonsensical but also non-gory non-graphic lyrical content i'm like yeah this is my guilty pleasure because i'm all about lyrical death you know what i mean so if anything yeah just give us another record that you would say either just really really kept you driving forward and continued to motivate you as a drummer to do what you do now for the breathing process kind of accumulating uh uh, what you've culminated for the discography of the breathing process so far or just like "Eh, yeah i can't ever listen to this record and not be impressed like that type of thing
1: so as far as like albums that directly influence the way I play in the breathing process. I don't know if there was really any drummer or style that I was like listening to outside of uh, what we were writing to to try and inspire myself, I guess, if that makes sense. Right. Um, I don't really, I don't know. I don't really think about like when I'm writing a part, I don't really think about uh, necessarily like, oh, I want this to sound like this band or this drummer. I just it just doesn't i don't i don't really know what my process is but it's it's not really like that so that's that's a tough one for me to answer in that mm-hmm. context but uh i will say that i know i keep talking about cannibal corpse but uh so the bleeding was the first one and tomb of the mutilated um the drums on that album really i remember like blew me the fuck away and this was when i was already kind of becoming more seasoned in death metal and You know, I'd already heard everything that was as gross as it could be, you know, the threshold uh, had been passed, you know, but, um, man. So what was that, four?
0: Yeah, that was four. And now if you want to, yeah, just like guilty pleasure shit or something like that, just to kind of throw your uh, your Metal Elitist fans off.
1: (laughs) I don't know if I'd call any of it a guilty pleasure because I'm not really embarrassed about any of the goofy stuff I listen to. Um, Right. I love it you know and i I don't care um let's see what's the goofiest i mean i this isn't super uncommon among metal dudes i i actually a lot of my metal friends are the same way but we all love like the hardest craziest death metal and we really really love techno trance dance all of the above yeah i love that right after, after about two or three beers that's like my go to i don't i don't put on i don't put on the death metal i put on the the dance music and right. i jam but uh man i don't know that's a- if,
0: if not like a specific album maybe just like a couple artists or something that are in the techno field cuz like okay i started so you- out with edm and techno like
1: so when we go on our long drives after shows or on tours and things, we try to look up the most absurd music to just like keep us awake and, and you know, help the driver. And <laughs> we recently discovered this, I don't know if it's a band or just an artist, but it's called Only Fire.
0: Only and
1: fire. <laughs> the album that we've been listening to is called Double Penetration. And I'm just, I'm not going <laughs> to go any further. I'm just going to let you discover it on your own as I did. <laughs> But the, the vocals great. the vocals are all like speech to or text to speech. So it's like Microsoft Sam vocals over this absurd <laughs> and it's insane. Like the lyrics are just they're like brilliant, but also could be written <laughs> by like a creator as far as like the the content and the, the absurdity of it.
0: <laughs> it's fucking great i can only imagine just like you know you want to thrust it harder and harder it's and it's, it's like Mm-ch- literally Mm-ch- it's like that but, like you're not even gonna
1: be able to fathom <laughs> how disgusting some of the lyrics are but in oh uh, right
0: yeah it, that can only be fire a fucking dumpster fire musically just kidding um no like <laughs> that sounds great Definitely something for me to check out yeah. <laughs> later Enjoy tonight yourself. after session. Yeah, <laughs> I will I will try to. And as we continue in our session, and I finish, well, my angry orchard peach mango because these things are actually pretty good. And me and Brian both seem to have matching flags, which I think is pretty cool. It's the first time that's happened in session, actually. Um, we kind of wrap up the first segment. Of the anatomy podcast learning about brian's history as a music blah, 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 as a musician learning about his musical legacy basically anything that he could offer as far as just oh yeah this is all about me <coughs> today so sit down crack open a cold one get some chips enjoy now we kind of dive into the second segment which is going to be music and more specifically because we've been talking quite a bit about music We really are going from the point of him joining the breathing process, going forward, and kind of asking him, like, the the interesting questions, and especially from the perspective of a drummer. Because way too many people are way too used, um, they are, like, very nestled in the comfort zone of only asking the story of the front man the singer, the vocalist, because after all, oh, the vocalist, he contributes to lyrics and stuff. If there is lyrical death, that's where you pluck the, that's where you pick the brain, per se. But no, no, people. We're not about frontman syndrome here at Sean Cross or the Anatomy Podcast. Fuck that shit. But also, we love you, Chris. So, <laughs> nothing against you, man. But, yeah, Chris, is- Chris is amazing. Really, really awesome guy, and um, I've, he kind of, it, he it kind of feels like he's been, uh, a mentor to me when it's when it's a, when it's been applicable from a uh, music business standpoint and just like musician to musician, music enthusiast to music enthusiast. But Brian, um, we continue off from the point of shit. What was you got Chris and then the last guy? His name? What what was the last guy's name? I do apologize. The the, the last vocalist. I think your audio cut out. Actually, don't know what happened there. Can you hear no. me? Yes, now I can hear you. Okay. <laughs> so
1: uh, yeah, I first in the band. It was it was Cody. Cody. <clears throat> okay. So
0: yeah. with Cody inviting you into the ranks of the breathing process a little bit beforehand to the Sam Sarah or Sam Sarah. Um, it's very interesting word tomato tomato as far as i'm concerned but um as he welcomed you into the ranks of the breathing process you probably met jordan and sarah who have been there since the beginning and shout out to sarah and you know the rest of them of course but namely sarah because you know like was it okay here's here's the question to answer that way i don't make myself look like a dumbass um the lineup that we know right now other than chris because he joined right before you guys really geared up the Labyrinthian cycle. The lineup that we see now, has that been the lineup since Sam Sarah, and most of the records beforehand?
1: No. So Jordan's the only original member from the first record. Right. And, and beyond. Uh, so when I joined, it was Cody, uh, Jordan, Sarah, and they didn't have a bass player at the time, and they had three guitar players, uh, Ian was the third guitar player and then I think I had maybe been to like two or three rehearsals and then we got Jake on bass. Okay. And they they weren't in the band for too long. I want to say maybe a year if that something like that. But uh, Ian, he lives in uh, Worcester so his commute was quite far. Right. I think it was like six-hour drive or something like that for him yeah. to to rehearsals and, and yeah. such. Um, so that naturally, was yeah. pretty short-lived. And Jake was a guitarist, like a, a very fantastic guitar player that was kind of like in my situation when I started playing drums. He was a guitarist that played bass. He wasn't really a bass player. Right. And, uh, I think that he just... I, I think he enjoyed playing you know he, he had a good time and he was a good bandmate. but uh i think deep down he just knew that he was a guitarist and not a bass player and it was you know in some ways it was really that simple um and uh i'm trying to think of uh where the lineup went from there so jake and ian left um then it was cody left and then we got ben marmorosa to fill in for a while um, which he's uh, his band practiced down the hall from us in McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. Mm. So that's how we got in touch with him. And I think the only reason that, because he he was never going to be like a permanent member. He was just filling in because we you know had some dates to fill. Yeah, and I think that's the only reason he was in it for the month or, or few, several months that he was in the band. Because um, we had, I know we did one tour. With it was supposed to be with falsifier or falsifier, falsifier and, yeah. uh, Born a new and I think there was another band that I can't remember but the it was like two days before that tour started the drummer for falsifier quit so they weren't on that but uh, that was like a, I want to say it was like a two-week thing to Florida and back and he filled in for that and then he did like a handful of other shows with us here and there um, he was you know like I said he was never really in the band. And then we tried out a guy. I could be getting this wrong. I know we tried out a guy named Dylan and we also tried out a guy named Trevor. I can't remember which one came first. Um, Cause they were very short lived. I think Trevor maybe played like two shows with us and Dylan played one show maybe. And uh, nothing against those guys at all. They were just, they were both like babies. You know what I mean? They were both like yeah. just starting out vocally. Not, I mean that, like just starting out in bands, that is, you know, they they were, like Trevor's a phenomenal vocalist. He does a lot of covers, has a ton of videos, but uh, I don't think at that point he'd ever played any shows. I think the first show he played with us was one of was one of the first shows, if not the first show that he ever played. Wow! So, um, yeah, I can't remember. Like I said, if Dylan or if Trevor came first. So, fast forward a little bit. We had. A tour with the convalescents, and mm. we had no vocalists. And we had played with Chris was in another band called Disillusion Effect at the time. It was a Morgantown band. Um, and we had played with them, I want to say maybe two, three times, and we're like kind of band buddies or whatever, you know what I mean? We, we were acquaintances. And initially we asked Chris to fill in for that tour. Um, He had very little time to prepare. I think he did one rehearsal with us, learned the set by himself, and then, like, just jumped right in there, and he nailed it, killed it completely, you know. And after the tour, there was, like, some debate, like, because his style was a lot different from Cody, like, exponentially different from Cody's. Cody was, like, the traditional deathcore Phil Bozeman. Chris was more like a uh randy Blythe kind of
0: yeah yeah definitely randy like, Blythe vibes yeah yeah like more of a
1: traditional i guess and not <laughs> yeah. you know late 2000s f-core or whatever i don't know, whatever you want to however you want to categorize it
0: right absolutely
1: so, was, so after that tour in my opinion he nailed it and i i remember after we did that tour people were like dude your vocal style with the black metal shit is like perfect like it, it it's so it much works. more fitting Yeah, you know? i mean yeah it really does and since then i think like within the span of a year he like he buckled down so hard and was like taking lessons doing video lessons um practicing his balls off and from that point to now he has progressed it's insane like if you go back and like watch the videos of uh, there's like one or two videos from that tour the first tour he did with us out there and he sounds phenomenal but it's insane to see how far he's pushed himself, like just in the last couple of years. like he's he's become a whole different animal. and it's I love it. It's awesome. He's still yeah. got like the things that you know that that really fit with that black metal, but he's exploring so much more and and he's he's got a lot of he's got a lot of sauce going on. yeah,
0: yeah. And I will say that among all of the other like black and death metal black and death core bands in the scene that are slowly rising to the top, including the homies in Warm Shepherd, our buddies in Nithful, like some disembodied tyrant, um, with the return recently of Shrine, um, like, so many bands, man, are rising up through the ranks, getting their proper, I think, assembly, as far as, like, the podium is concerned. And the breathing process, I would say, is definitely at least up there, like, just below Awakened Providence. But like, other than that, they are still kind of godfathers in their own right to me, as far as black and death metal, black and Death Core. And I mean, shit, me and Derek of Nithful have been talking recently about, quote, Ignite the Church Tour, which would be just a culmination of all these different bands in kind of the same similar category, but having all their own little, like, niche uh, spices and devil in the details, per se that helped distinguish their band from the others. And we I just continue daydreaming about that, man. Just ignite the church, just all these evil black and death metal bands just coming together as the brotherhood they are, and just unleashing hell upon the United States and, you know, seeing where that goes. Like, I, I don't know about you guys for the, the audience that is tuning in now, but for those of you who have been checking out our episodes and to think that we've actually interviewed most of these bands now, which is... Also super crazy. Like the possibilities are endless. And I think all we need is a backing from the, the the good old Papa Jamie Graham himself. And then I think we can kind of get the gears turning for something like that. But it, it it's still so cool to see how back during the Samsara, Sam whatever cycle, um, because I, I love the I love the record, but like I remember it's like, this is interesting, but it, it needs something a little bit more. And I think I was just obsessed with other bands at the time. So I didn't give that album the proper love it deserved. Still do. <laughs> but thinking back on that now, it's, it's crazy. Now the bond that I have with you guys, too. Um, and I mean, kind of returning to your perspective and your contributions to this podcast, which have been absolutely phenomenal. And I do appreciate your time once again. Um, As you guys were kind of just gearing through that cycle when you were first being introduced to the band and kind of leading up to what would be the Labyrinthian cycle, like, what do you think is, like, the biggest difference between you as a drummer then and you as a drummer now, even after Labyrinthian has been released?
1: Um... Oh, I mean, I'm definitely a lot more seasoned now as far as touring and playing, and uh, all that goes. but uh, I don't know. i I think that uh, not that I didn't already know this, but, but being around like like we play with bands like Signs of the Swarm, Worm Shepherd, you know, phenomenal bands with phenomenal musicians. Uh, it goes back to like what I was saying about that first drummer that I saw, like actually being on the road and seeing these monstrous players. It just makes me that much more hungry to it's a competitive sport, but in a in a loving kind of way. You in know a very
0: I mean? I'm good never upset sport when way. I
1: see a drummer that's better than me. I'm just like, holy shit, that's insane. I want that. Yeah. You know, I'm just home and not I'm gonna lock myself in my, you know, rehearsal room and not come out until I can play three hundred beats per minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Seriously. So it's crazy.
1: It, I think it's definitely made me a lot more uh self-aware and aware of my surroundings for sure good good
0: yeah and and like literally it's it's all about perspective for one but two just continuing to spread that perspective like just imagining your perspective as one eye which is kind of the reason the logo is the way it is people just a little, little background on that but like basically the idea is as we continue to spread and continue to acquire perspective just like more eyes just everywhere eventually making it look like froth just like bubbles and foam just absolutely everywhere like that's that's the entire point man is as you continue moving forward just remember to s- stay humble stay modest and continue um being open to absorbing new knowledge because then eventually especially if you're trying to be a drummer if you're trying to be a guitarist a musician someone who networks really well, which I've been learning Mm -hmm. about recently, that's how you get into a spot like Brian here, playing in what I think is probably one of the coolest blackened death metal bands that I've really invested in in recent times, alongside projects such as the Black Black Dahlia Murder and plenty of other bands, just because I am hyper-focused and almost obsessed with blackened deathcore specifically. Um... Mm -hmm. So I don't really have that much input to offer upon just a lineup and variety of different black and death metal bands, but the breathing process kind of takes the cake as as far as that. And it might be a little bit biased, but I'm I'm okay with that. So speaking and asking you as someone who is technically a multi-instrumentalist, I was now, I'm now curious on throughout your entry into the breathing process, being that you at least know a little bit about how to play guitar and play Mm -hmm. bass, even if it's been absolutely years since you've done it consistently, or at least that's the impression we've gotten tonight so far. Um, When it comes to the breathing process, we know you're the drummer. We know you're the chop man. We know you bring the freaking Congo, man. But like (laughs) every now and then, do you kind of help Jordan, Sarah, um, and Dan throw around various guitar riffs or even every now and then a little twang for either anything on samsara or anything on labyrinthian maybe even now like have you ever contributed riffs or little bass twangs to any of the breathing process
1: so with samsara it was already written before i joined the band and uh it was pretty much done the only thing uh the only thing that I really did on like I, I kind of there were some parts that I played slightly different in the songs and we changed that but as far as everything else like I kind of tried to just match what was going you know what was already there and uh, you know like I said I, I did put some of my flavor on the drums but uh, so for Labyrinthian all the drums were 100% written from the ground up there might have been some some things that uh because jordan likes to uh he'll he'll write riffs to like program drums just to get ideas and by no means is he ever writing drums as like a final like this is what i want you to do it's just like this is a placeholder (laughs) you know so i didn't i didn't write really i didn't have as much of my flavor on uh samsara but uh the main riff in wilt is actually one of my riffs that i wrote like years and years ago really ever it i never thought that it would make it on the record because it's such a doomy like in in my mind it didn't really fit with like the vibe but it was one of the more well-received songs i mean having david from uh signs do a feature i think you know had a lot to do with that but uh, even live,
0: like it's a people really vibe it's to that song. Such a fun song, man! It's so yeah. Fun. So
1: I wrote that main riff, like the da na, 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 you know the whatever. Yeah. And I don't know if I. I don't think I wrote any other riffs for that. I right. might. I mean, like once in a while, I'll throw around some ideas, but um yeah, that one was that one was all me, just that riff, and I think that's it on the last album.
0: Yeah, that's that's still really cool, and. You know, obviously, I'm a sucker for, uh, I'm a sucker for a good doomy, just gloomy song. And really, I think that's how, yeah, oh, so so good. I still remember doing the reaction for that that I did on on my channel, and I'll go ahead and throw up a little thumbnail for everybody on the YouTube upload. That way, you can go back in time to that. But that was the first reaction, other than Lorna Shore, where I actually felt myself. like expressing steam i'm just like oh (laughs) i was ready to break out the shit in my room and i think i even knocked over my camera and chris was like i love that reaction dude we were all laughing over (laughs) here and i'm like yeah and that's that's really where it started is i think him and i were talking about uh the under the skin session the track by track lyrical analysis session for labyrinthian and he mentioned that he was like just like kind of looking back and it's so funny to think back on that now, just how fucking heated I got in that moment when y'all faked out and brought another breakdown, made it even heavier and then seeing that live. Well, that was a treat to say the least. And it was cool to see Devin up there with you guys. And, um, hopefully next time that I see you guys live, and this is not like a call out at all. This is not like, Oh, putting you on the spot, Chris mainly. Um, but I definitely, one day, would love to have the opportunity to jump up and help y'all, help y'all do it well, because it's such a fun fucking song. Um, yeah, man. But with that in mind, uh, sp- that is just speaking on behalf of the last two records from the breathing process that you have been a part of. Now, mm-hmm. I know you guys, obviously, this is a thing for all bands and all musicians, like right after, really you're done pushing the latest hit, the latest uh, effort, you immediately get back to the grind. So Mm -hmm. with that in mind, I know you guys are working on new material. Um, I know Jordan posted about it on his Instagram, and then Chris was like, oh my God, they're in a studio, or like, they're they're in rehearsal. This shit's sounding mean. So (laughs) with that same question in mind that I just asked, Basically, with this next record, whatever it happens to be, whether an EP or an album, mm. what are you planning to change about your creative contributions, if there is anything? Like, what do you want to do new with this record? And what are you absolutely determined to do different with this record?
1: Um. So for me personally, uh, I think we started to kind of dive into it a little bit on the last album. Um, There's, like, a couple of songs where I, I don't know if I'd call it progressive, but I tried to have a little more of a progressive approach to the drums versus just, like, endless double bass and blast beats. Right. And uh, I don't want to get too crazy and jazzy, but I think I'm going to be a little bit more methodical with my accents and uh, try to just be a little more tasteful, I guess.
0: Yeah. Sweet.
1: And, And uh... bringing the hammer you know i mean i'm bringing the hammer we we need just as many if not more blast beats as the last album but i think (laughs) i can uh, i don't know i just i always strive to be a little more creative and um not regurgitate the same thing over and over again but at the same time you know when you play a genre of music there are obvious aesthetics that you want to try and sustain yeah yeah so you know, you can expect more of the same, but better, I guess. Yeah. And maybe a little more creative.
0: Yeah, there you go. A little bit like just, you know, more variety and stuff is and that's like very important when it comes to being an artist in any field is just understanding what worked, what made you happy, what made the audience happy, which is that previous statement. It worked. Wow. Um, the ratings, the streams, everything. And that's just speaking from a business side. Um, But yeah, that's, that's really cool. And I mean, shit, obviously with me feeling like I am on the level with you guys, as I feel like I am, I am so incredibly excited already for new, the breathing process. And I mean, obviously you guys signing to unique leader records, um, earlier last year, right. A little bit before labyrinthian, it was like during the summer, right?
1: Sounds right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. During the summer. Okay. So, like, with you guys um, signing during the summer, which I still remember that post. And I remember, what the hell is this logo? This is gorgeous. And, you know, now we use that for all the thumbnails having to do with the breathing process. Uh, I am more than excited. I hope you guys are as well as we slowly and kind of just relaxed in a way. Right now, we're on the beach. We're enjoying. I'm fucking, for me, it's Angry Orchard, apparently. or enjoying an ice-cold Angry Orchard just sipping on it with glasses on and just like the, the sun overhead where this, this is like the summer vacation of the creative process for the breathing process as they gear up for their next album. I hope that wasn't a confusing an analogy because I was supposed <laughs> to be very just, just like, Whoa, very, I can, very, I can, very, I, can very, I can see I where it. he is, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> but as you know, as they gear up for their next release, well, I will be poking right behind them just like hey hey when are you gonna release new shit like (laughs) we need the details people we we need they deserve the answers what tell us what we need to know (laughs) like it's it's gonna be a journey it's gonna be a ride and now with technically part three but officially part two of the anatomy podcast the breathing process edition brian thank you again for what i think is now close to two hours of your time out of your day also, with uh, I apparently um a small time difference. Not too bad. Not like you're in Czechoslovakia. So it was like, hey, yeah, it's, uh, it's two a.m. Well, over here. <laughs> like Six fifty nine right now. Six fifty nine. Okay. So yeah, we we actually didn't do that bad. We managed to compact it to at least two hours. We learned so much about Brian tonight. For some people, it's like, oh my god, I know too much. I just wanted to know about the music. Like, no, that's not why you're here. That's not why we do this. It, it's okay it's okay breathe but we learned plenty about brian's story we learned about his creative contributions to the breathing process his legacy thus far we managed to pluck five albums off of him including what i would say is kind of a guilty pleasure for metal elitists. just like oh he doesn't actually listen to metal exclusively whoa like no (laughs) There, there's, there's, there's nothing other, guilty about me, man. <laughs> there's nothing guilty. There's no sin to atone for, people. That's just being a musician, <laughs> and you know, and a freaking metal musician without, you know, it's all about the metal. Oh, like no, it's it's not about that. You're just like relax. It's okay. Again, <laughs> but this has been the Anatomy Podcast <clears throat> episode 29, which is crazy because the episode that we did with Jordan was episode nine. So twenty episodes later, people, we are still covering the story, the legacy, the history of each of the members from the Breathing Process. But I hope you guys enjoyed. And I mean, Brian, is there anything else you are wanting to plug or mention before we we wrap up session for tonight?
1: Um. Well, as you guys know, I. Breathing Process has a new album out, of course. Um, mm. I also play in another band called Crown Vic. Um, we just put out a couple of singles, and I think we're going to put out another one pretty soon. And uh, that's really all I got going on. I, I mean, I record from home, so if anybody needs some drums, send me some guitars, and I'll put drums on them, and you can give me money for it.
0: <laughs> Pay Brian, money for drums is what he's trying to say. Just
1: to beat my meat
0: on your songs all right that's a great way to end it thank you brian for your time and ladies and gentlemen be sure to enjoy your night stay tuned for episode 30 of the anatomy podcast with well we're not even gonna say just for now i think you guys are gonna like it though have a good night